From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports is Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine. Welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports is a Job podcast journey of the working sports professional. I am one half of the podcast. And again, my name is Colby Castillo. And as always, joined by the other co-hosts. Hey, everyone. This is Olivia. And today's guest is a special guest. And I like to, you know, give you a little preview of what I think we're going to talk about is what's your why, your purpose, um, inspiring others. So without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest, Timothy Bryson. How are we doing today? Doing well, Kobe. Olivia, how y'all doing? Good. Like I said, we're like I said before, you know, it's we're healthy, we're safe, and that's all you can ask for during a time like this. Um, if you could explain to the listeners, you know, what is it you currently do? What is your job title and what does that job entail, please? Awesome. Yep. So my name is Timothy Bryson. Um, I currently work at the University of Maryland College Park, where I serve as a program director for student athlete career development. Uh, so when speaking with students, um, I straight up tell them, you know, flat out, my job is to help you secure the bag. So whether your bag is related to a graduate school, professional school um, aspiration, whether it's tied to a postgrad internship or full-time job, uh, whatever you need, uh, I'm here to help serve you. Uh, some of the things that I do in my role is I help oversee our summer internship program called the Internship Academy. I'm um, oversee all of our employer relations, uh, which has been a, a blessing being able to connect um, with employers not only local to the DMV but across the world, given that our student athlete population is uh, very diverse. Uh, but then I also oversee our first year transition program, Turf 101, um, as well as our fellows program. Uh, so an exciting time, definitely to be at Maryland, um, and super excited to be on this podcast today. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and it's something that we're trying to start here at the school I work at, the University of Minnesota Crookston, is start a student athlete development career program to get people ready um, for the life after student athlete, being a student athlete, because sometimes, you know, we're all former student athletes. Sometimes that identity is the only thing we know. So it's something preparing a program to help them uh, make that transition into the real life. So I'd like to start off with that is, you know, if you could explain, it seems that you're big on helping other people find their purpose and their identity. So if you could explain, you know, what was the process for you um, to finding out what your purpose is and what is your purpose? Definitely. So my, my personal mission statement, right, is uh, I believe my mission in this world is to help others identify their passion, inspire vision, and walk in purpose. I mean, that's something that has been congruent um, to, what, to everything that I do, at least for the last five to six years, um, after I had um, identified like, what my mission statement to be. Um, but I think, do think it's important to provide context for not only listeners, but for those who are interested in going in, whether it's sport or another industry that may seem uh, daunting or impossible at the time. So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I went to public school through junior high, uh, then transitioned to an all-male private Catholic high school um, in Cincinnati. Um, as it may sound, it was also very white. Uh, so I was one of 10 black graduates in my class of 374 students. I'm at Cincinnati St. Xavier High School. I uh, played, uh, played soccer my entire life, got cut my junior year, and started running track. Um, so I ended up walking on, preferred to walk on at Coastal Carolina University on the track and field team. I uh, went there with the intent to become an athletic trainer, but thinking, thinking about access, thinking about 
um, career exposure. Uh, what I did not know was that you had to graduate from an accredited athletic training program to sit for the boards to become a certified athletic trainer. Um, so after one year, I then transferred to the University of South Carolina, Columbia, uh, where I gave up my track dreams of whatever they were worth at that time uh, to pursue athletic training. Uh, now, my experience in South Carolina was one that was uh, super unique in many ways. Um, got involved in a fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Um, got involved with intramural sports, as well as an intramural supervisor for indoor and outdoor soccer. Um, did some work with our interpersonal violence prevention uh, team as well as South Carolina. Um, but the biggest um, experience for me was really serving as an athletic training student uh, at the university. Um, as an athletic training student, I got to see firsthand, you know, what it was like for student athletes to go through their day to day, uh, which is something I'll talk about a little bit later uh, when helping students uh, career wise. Uh, but while I was working with the student athletes, particularly football, women's basketball um, and softball, many of the athletes would ask me about, you know, parties to go to on the weekends, how to, how to get involved in Greek life. Um, what are some things to do outside of their sport? And so to me, I was like, yo, like I joined Greek life, you know, for the brotherhood, uh, for the scholarship, for the service, to which many people see athletics to be like that source of, um, you know, of, of community, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what I found in undergrad was that many athletes don't find community within their sport or even the athletic department. And they're seeking to have experiences in student affairs like I was having um, as a you know, member of Greek life um, at South Carolina. In addition to that, my best friend, um, that I met at Coastal Carolina, we both transferred out at the same time. And so over the course of four years, you know, I saw our experiences um, in college uh, really shift and change. Like this is more focused on um, athletics and track and he's very successful in that. My mind was focused more on a career aspect. Uh, long story short, found out that I really wanted to help student athletes, really want to help students, um, you know, pursue their passions um, and purpose. And so I went to Ohio, uh, the Ohio State University, uh, earned my um, degree in higher education and student affairs in their master's program. Yeah, I had to say the B part. And during that experience, was, again, it was like, yo, like I like athletics, right? I love student affairs, but they never, like in my classes, we never seem to talk about athletes. You know, we always talk about residence halls and residence life. I always talk about Greek life. I always talked about, um, you know, orientation and first year experience. But I'm like, there's a whole things that we're not talking about. Um, and so I um, uh, stumbled across the NCAA postgraduate internship through one of my friends who had applied for it and did not get it. Um, otherwise, I would not have known it existed. Um, did a lot to invest in myself, to put myself in a position to be able to be competitive in that process, um, but was blessed and, and very proud to say that I was a, a postgraduate intern at the National Office in the Leadership, Leadership Development Unit, uh, which is where I transitioned after I got my master's degree. Uh, while there, three months in, I was still trying to figure out, you know, do I want to work in athletics? Do I want to work in a more talent acquisition space to help create um, equitable hiring practices and recruiting practices for not just student athletes, but also um, those from underrepresented um, and minoritized communities, specifically looking at international students. Um, but uh, this position at Maryland came about uh, where I, again, currently serve as the program director for student athlete career development, to which I can work in athletics, creating a program from scratch. Uh, while also serving as the liaison to the career center. So I get to work in athletics and student affairs, which is my passion at heart. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I really liked hearing about your story, but just kind of from the beginning, um, being a student athlete, like we've all, I guess we all have like that shared experience. Like how in a way did that like influence like your life? And I guess is the reason like you're working in sports still because you were a student athlete and you played sports your whole life? That's a good question. Um, for me, especially growing up, and I love basketball. I, of course, the tournament is sad. And I'm sad that it's not happening like everyone else. Um, mm -hmm. But 
being a student athlete for me was always like a privilege and opportunity, right? Like I wasn't on scholarship. So for me, it was like, all right, I'm here to have fun. Um, tell my kids, you know, I played or competed at the Division One, or at least, you know, it was a, was a college athlete. Um, but my student athlete experience is one in which I'm proud to say that I have, especially working in my current role um, mm -hmm. for many reasons. One, because uh, not everyone can, is, you know, fortunate to make it to this level. Two, uh, many of the conversation around student athlete time, energy, um, investment about, you know, not having enough time, right? Not only was I a student athlete, and I didn't get involved in stuff at Coastal, I'll be the first one to tell you that. But while an athletic training student, I was there, and I'm sure y'all know y'all athletic trainers as well. ATs are there before y'all get there, <laughs> and they're after y'all get there, and that was me. So I was an athletic training student. I worked, you know, 10, 15 hours a week. I was president of my organization and of all fraternities on, uh, at South Carolina's campus, right? Like you, you invest in what you in what you want to pursue, and so I think the the conversation around student athlete identity and particularly student athlete experience is one that doesn't start in, in college. It starts, I think, um, you know, K twelve in a lot of ways, um, and it starts with coaches. It starts with coaches. It starts with parents. And I think uh, having them reinforce and and reemphasize the importance of getting involved outside of their sport um, is huge when helping them think about their careers um, after they graduate um, from the institution. Mm -hmm. And and you mentioned that it, it starts way before college, right? And you're working in career development. So, you know, that you're six and a half months, this is into being um, in this position. What did you do through your experiences to package a program that helps these student athletes? Like, what is your model for the program that you've built? Yeah, most definitely. So I'm going to read it verbatim um, and also send people to our website as well. Um, but our, the Maryland Made Career Readiness Program produces career-ready professionals through experiential education, inimitable exposure experiences, and dynamic work experiences. Uh, so simply put, right, we're going to educate you on like what a cover letter is, what a resume is, what an information interview is. We're going to put you in experiences that are unparalleled and ones that are unique to you know Maryland student athletes, um, especially given um, our location, you know, being very close to D.C., but also close to um, Philadelphia and New York. Uh, but then the dynamic work experiences, right? So how can we create an experience and really co-create an experience that mirrors and helps to, and will help shape you to becoming the person that you want to be? Now, everything in our program, <clears throat> excuse me, everything in our program is, is not, in a lot of ways, rocket science, right? Um, athletic departments across the country have, at least for the last decade now, really tried to emulate themselves to be more student affairs-like, which is why you're seeing more chief diversity officers in athletics. Um, you're starting to see career development, you know, officers uh, work in athletics, Diversity inclusion somehow has found its way into the athletic space after, you know, years of not being talked about, which are the same offices that are housing student affairs, right? So my role really is to help bring student affairs over to athletics, but also help, well, sorry, bring student affairs practices over to athletics, given that many people who work in the life skills student athletic development unit aren't people who have student development backgrounds, which is a topic for maybe another podcast, but then to also bridge and collaborate um, between units because people in athletics student athletes and a lot of staff members and coaches don't see themselves a part of the university. They see themselves as an extension, which is not the case. Um, and so going back uh, to both of you all's point is really the, the premise of our program is awesome. um, education, um, experience, and exposure, uh, but doing so in a way that is, is, uh, is co-constructed with the student athletes, ensuring that the program reflects uh, their needs, but also their wants. Mm -hmm. And looking at how many, um, Go ahead, Olivia. How many... Sorry, Kobe. How many student athletes do you work with? And is this a program that's required for all the student athletes to go through or do they have to request for you to go through for them to go through this? Yeah, so at Maryland, um, depending on how you count the sports, um, because 
there's a women's track and field and cross country team, but not a men's cross country team. Um, but between 19 and 20 sports, uh, about 530, 550 student athletes. Um, none of our programming is required, uh, which I think is unique to Maryland. Um, as a reason for that, I mean, it really uh, forces us to build a culture that, uh, and an environment that welcomes student athletes to want to um, talk about, um, really pursue, again, their evolving career goals. But it also creates a shared um, responsibility amongst uh, student athletes and staff to come together and create a program and produce, you know, the career-ready professionals that we want them to be. Uh, what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Um, I just asked, is this like a program that they are required to go into, oh. or is it something that they need to request to do themselves? Yep. Yeah, so none of the program is required. Um, our fellows program, our summer internship program, and our leadership academy are all application-based. Um, all of our programming is open to anyone. So whether you're you know, a graduating senior or an incoming freshman, you can attend our LinkedIn education workshop, right? Um, next week, we're doing a Twitter chat with the University of South Carolina about this whole, you know, this new normal, social distancing and wellness. You can pop in on that. Um, then our graduate professional school interest meeting that we'll host uh, next month as well um, is open to anybody. So um, it's really a shared approach um, and one that uh, really relies on the relationships built with the students, but also our student affairs and academic affairs partners. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can share with us, um, just because, you know, we're going through this tough time of being quarantined everyone's at home stuck working from home and every all the student athletes are away um what is it you guys are doing to kind of battle that are you guys implementing like zoom calls are you sending out information through email like what is it you guys are doing yeah all the above and so um once i knew it did hit uh it did force us to think more really critically and innovatively about how we want to you know move forward um, I think many, I want to know many schools are canceling their programs or postponing them until later dates, whether that be this semester or next academic year. Um, but we really found this to be an opportunity to really you know, take advantage of, right? Um, and so a lot of times, and I'm kind of, it'll make more sense in a minute, but conversation around social media is right, social media etiquette. Don't post this, put this in your bio, make sure your picture looks like this or that. And I've really challenged that idea of social media etiquette to really transition into more social media leverage, right? Just like you all are doing with the Sports as a Job podcast. How can you leverage your, your social media to put yourself in a position that you want to be two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? So prime example, so Twitter. Everyone's on their phone right now anyway. So next Wednesday, we're, uh, yeah, April 1st, hosting a Twitter chat just to get conversation talking about like what's going on, right? Everyone wants to talk about it. There does not seem to be a uniform way to do so. But generally speaking, everyone has, you know, quote unquote, has Twitter. Um, additionally, um, instead of having an in-person meeting for our grad- graduate professional school interest meeting, we moved it online to Zoom. Um, we're doing two sessions instead of one session uh, during the workday. And instead of it only being open to Maryland students, Maryland student athletes, we're opening it up to any student across the world. Um, and so that's been huge, too, partnering with our Big Ten institutions, but also uh, institutions across all three divisions and conferences to say, like, hey, look, y'all may not have the bandwidth um, to facilitate something like this, we already have a program that's available. Like, let's come together instead of continuing to silo ourselves uh, to facilitate a program that's going to be beneficial for all students um, involved. Um, so, again, my job is, is not to recreate the wheel, but to bring people together. Um, I think uh, social media is definitely one of the ways in which um, I've come to love and embrace um, in order to do so. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's crazy because a lot of people think that with the situation that going, that's going on, um, progress has to stop but no it's really reinventing a different way being creative like mm-hmm. you were saying this is an opportunity to do things differently and bring people together instead of push people away with the whole 
uh, social distancing thing. So let's talk about social media and leveraging um, what you got going on outside of uh, your current full-time job. And I have to say thank you because it's not many times we get a guest who has their own website, who they did their whole portfolio. So it was easy for us to do research. I didn't have to dig through um, all your Twitter, all your Instagram posts, all that different thing. So thank you for that, first of all. But it seems that you are telling your personal story. Um, you're giving all these experiences and you're being transparent about what you're going through, which is something yeah. I respect because I think it's something we need. Um, yeah. What is it, you know, what is the purpose of you, I guess, to, of doing all this? What's the purpose of your blog? What's the purpose of you going out and traveling by yourself? Like, what are you trying to do by doing these kind of things? Well, okay, y'all definitely did your research, so... Kudos to, to both of you all on uh, reading some of those blogs. I definitely appreciate it. Um, but for me, it was quite simple. Um, in undergrad, which I'm sure you, I know you read, um, was blessed to be able to serve as the first black president uh, of fraternity council. Um, long story short, got impeached from that role. But from that, was able to begin consulting with institutions about you know what health and safety look like for the students at their institution, um, particularly in Greek life, fraternity and sorority life. Um, and so when I was going through that process, I had someone, I can't think exactly who it was right now, but they said like, yo, like in order to, you know, help control the narrative, right, and really own your narrative, uh, developing a website is going to help with your personal brand. I'm like, actually a good idea. Um, so I had one of my friends at the time who was like a graphic designer. And, uh, she helped me create my website. And I wanted to be a blog, right, an opportunity for me to just reflect when I felt like reflecting. Um, when I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody else, I just go straight to my laptop and just type. Uh, but going back to my, my mission statement, right? Identify their passion, inspire a vision, walk a purpose. So everything I write about on that website, everything I do ties directly back to that. Uh, so talking about when I went to um, uh, San Francisco and Oakland traveling alone, I realized like, yo, like we need each other to, to come together. Purpose, passion, uh, vision. Um, talking about, um, I recently got accepted into my PhD program, right? And thinking about how can I build community? How can I help create equitable environments to liberate all student communities to excel in higher education? It goes back to passion, vision, and purpose. Um, and so for me, it's a way to control my narrative, number one. Uh, two, when I talk about branding, um, it's, a, it's really leading by example. Um, but then three, when looking about looking at um, how I can engage and how I can continue to inspire people, um, whether it's students or student athletes or just anyone for that matter, um, to pursue their evolving career goals that make sense to them and not ones that are the expectations, to your point earlier about your own experience, the expectations of others, whether it's family or not, I'm going to do so. Uh, and I'm thankful that my mom was able to um, instill that in me, particularly going to college. Uh, she didn't know she was doing that. But when she told me she didn't care if I smoked weed under her oak tree, like she was very serious. And that's something that uh, really released me to do what I wanted to do, uh, how I wanted to do it. And so I'm thankful for it. I really like the idea that you had to come up with like your own personal website, your own personal like way to brand yourself because like, I'm going through the process right now where I'm applying to different like GA positions and different jobs that I see fit for myself. And I think that this is something that is really unique that people can do to like set themselves apart. Um, so is when you are like working with these kind with student athletes and you want to help them like get to that next step, is this something that you would recommend them doing as well to kind of like, find a way to represent yourself like through that and then as well through social media, kind of like what we mentioned before. Easily. Um, so I'll take that kind of twofold. First of the website, just like with anything else is free. I mean, I pay for my domain once a year, like 100 and 
Sometimes hundred or hundred twenty dollars, um, which is what what ten dollars a month, twelve dollars a month, whatever the math comes out to be. But again, it's an investment within myself. So just like I get my hair, I ain't got a haircut yet because of <laughs> Corona. But just like you get your haircut, you get your nails done, whatever, like it's an investment within myself. With the social media piece, and I hope some of my student athletes are particularly thinking about Taylor Wilson um, in particular and how they brand themselves with social media. I'm like, yo, like you can't have, well, tell me more about what the challenges would be having two different like ad names on Instagram and Twitter, right? Or like for me, like I have, and like what that means like branding wise, like, like can this person find you? If I'm trying to add you like on our um, department social media, I can't do that if you're liking and retweeting stuff that's just not congruent and or in, or reflective of the institution or department's mission. Um, but three or whatever number I'm on, like what people don't have rules for how they govern themselves on social media, right? It's like like you know if it's a red light, then you stop at the freaking light. On social media, like again, some of my personal rules: don't retweet anything that has any cussing in it, unless it's something about uh, interpersonal violence prevention, which I'm extremely passionate about. Race, um, really those two pieces. Um, what else is my rules? Oh, don't like or retweet anything that I wouldn't want um, an employer to see. And I think there's mm-hmm. some conversations with that, like what's professionalism and what's not, and we can destruct that or deconstruct that at a, at a later time. But for me, like I don't want, I'm not gonna like or retweet anything that I feel like I would have to explain or will have trouble explaining in an interview. Yeah, personal rule. Um, and then three, I'm gonna always promote and uplift people, particularly those whether you have less followers, whatever that means, but also individuals again unrepresented and minoritized identities to help elevate their voices in a way um, that may not be shined um, in, 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 um, in some of our other peers' way, right? So if I know, particularly my women of color, I'm international uh, students and athletes, like how can I help bring you up, right? This whole like let you rise um, mentality. I think social media is a way to do that, especially seeing how whether people go viral, but also people to support one another, uh, whether, they're, whether they're at your school or not. I've definitely like mentioned this on the podcast before, but like, social media like my social media in particular like has changed like so much in the past like year especially because you know taking on this new job and like with the gophers like i'm representing such a bigger school and something like bigger than myself and like i have to watch what i tweet and like not that i was tweeting anything bad before because i wasn't but like there were definitely things that i would like that were like why like why would you like that do you know what i mean and i think it's really really important for all like for everyone in the professional world now, like athletes as well, but like just everyone mm-hmm. that like you should set boundaries for yourself on social media because like employers really look at that. Like I will, t- I remember like I will tweet something on social media and like, I don't think anyone in my office sees it, but then like I, they'll ask me like, Oh, I like that picture you posted. I'm like, Oh, you see that? Like, Whoa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that kind of makes me nervous like not that I'm posting anything bad but I, I think that's a really important part that people don't really think about they're like well it's my social media but it's also like that represents you and it's, an it's really important to watch it is nope exactly right and I, it's just interesting because when I look at it, right, um, of course, social media is fun, but I also think about it like 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future. I'm like, hey, you know, my kids really could, if they wanted to, they could probably scroll back on my timeline and see everything I was talking about um, right now. And it's like, yep. mm-hmm. I yep. use it as a way to document my journey because again, like how you were saying, your motto was identify passion, inspire vision, walk in purpose. Well, yep. in this journey, I'm going through those three steps. I'm going through yep. finding my purpose. I'm going there, um, trying to inspire this vision that I have. So let's let's you know let's let's do something where 
the, the listener at home can really take into context, especially if there's somebody who doesn't really know what they want to do in life or maybe they're lost. So if I came to you as a student athlete, right, and I said, hey, hey, Timothy or, or, or Mr. Bryson or however they, they uh, you know, call you, um, if, I, if I told you I don't know my why, what would you do to help me figure out my why? What would your steps be to, to, to guide me in that, that, um, that path of fi- figuring out what my why is or my passion? That's a great question, Colby. It's um, a really good question. And so <laughs> in this situation, <laughs> take this uh, scenario. Uh, first, caution a student athlete to think about, well, so remember the fact that like, their, why, their why and their purpose will be awakened to them. And there's a book that talks about, you know, Purpose Awakening um, by Tori Roberts. Tori Roberts. Um, but you, it becomes challenging when you chase something that's already there, right? And so the thing, start with what you do know, which for many people, I like what their passions are, what they believe they're good at at the time. It's like talking about their family life and expectations, which is something I talk about with student athletes. Uh, but then I really talk about, like, what do they want, think in two to three years post-graduation, what do they want their life to look like? And that's not just career. That's like, how many dogs do you want? Do you see yourself with children? Do you want to be in a relationship? Like, where do you want to live? Then let's look, you know, five to seven years down the road. Then let's look, you know, seven plus years down the road. Um, and they, they lay out their whole map or like, you know, like a, um, like a Sims character. Never played Sims, but I know what it is. And then I say like, you know, what are your fears? This is where things start getting kind of serious where, you know, there have been students who have cried. There have been students who, you know, didn't want to write them down. Um, but long story short, they write down their fears. And then we read them out loud. I look at them. And then we rip it up and throw it away. So I say, like, all right, we, we've acknowledged, like, what your fears are, right? They no longer exist. So understand your fears no longer exist in this situation. What would you choose coming out of coming out of the undergrad? And immediately, it's boom, circle. And so I say, like, this is what you want to do, right? You're, you're sure why right now. How can I help you prepare to, to, to get to that point? And so I think this question about why is one I think people think is static, and it's not. Um, your why is dynamic. Uh, one in which I thought my why at one point in time, literally nine years ago, was to be an athletic trainer. LOL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Three years later, I'm like, okay, I want to work in student conduct. That was in 2014. Nope. Okay, now I want to work in uh, leadership development. Uh, nope. And so somehow I ended up in career development. I never attended. I, I, I couldn't even tell you where the career center was at any of my institutions. <laughs> Uh, but I'm helping student athletes like with their career. And I, I realized that it wasn't a career. I think I wrote about this. But my purpose, it wasn't this job is not like a, a career move, but it's a, it's a purpose move. And it's one that allows me to live out my purpose each and every day, which is why I have fun going to work every day. And I, I, I really, identify with that for sure. I really like like hearing about your story and how you you love helping student athletes. Was there anyone that really like made a big impact on you in like to get to the point to where you are now? Man, too many. How much time we got left? I mean, <laughs> literally so many people. So, oh man, first and foremost, mom, grandma for sure, um, brother and sister, especially being the oldest, I had to lead the way um, by default. And that's, it's been a lot of pressure, but I've also learned a lot about, you know, what it means to lead um, even your siblings. Um, every student athlete I've come in contact with over the, over the years. Um, so, so at like Coastal Carolina and South Carolina at Ohio State and even at Maryland, uh, I'm always learning a lot from them. Uh, people like Marissa Robinson, Dee Dee Merritt, uh, both at the NCAA National Office. Uh, Dr. Albert uh, was at the National Office. Um, Risa Lovelace, my current supervisor, Beth Johnson at Ohio State. Um, 
Dr. Mayhew at Ohio State. I mean, honestly, I'm just naming people that helped reveal something in me that I did not know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a blessing as well as being able to say, like, look, like I've learned so much. And like I tell anybody that I'm even y'all too now, like if I know them, then y'all know them. So you let me know what you need and we're going to get there together. But it's going to it's going to be a shared responsibility for us to get there. Like I can't get you a job nor will I get you a job. Um, but we can put you in a position in, where, in which you're competitive um, and will secure anything that comes your way. Uh, so those are some of the people I know I'm missing a lot of people, but um, that are it's really hard. It, it becomes hard to keep track of after a while. It is, but I think more, but more importantly, I, I would say, you know, shout out to Cincinnati, Ohio, Conway, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, um, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, and Silver Spring, Maryland, for everyone that I met while living in those cities. Because uh, without that, without those environments, and environments shape people and behaviors. Uh, without those environments, I definitely I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's it's all about the snowball effect, right? Like you, yep. there's so many other people that help you, you know, and in return, all these other people that you help will help other people. Um, you know, we we appreciate you coming on. So we want to give you the floor to, I guess, to let people know where can they find you? Uh, where can they connect or DM you? Yeah. So again, name is Timothy Bryson, uh, Timothy F. Bryson. We're ever consistent with branding. Um, you can find me um, in many different ways. Number First of which is on Twitter. So Timothy um, F. as in Ford, Bryson, B-R-Y-S-O-N. Um, and that's for my Twitter and my Instagram. Again, personal branding. You can also find me on my website, timothyfbryson.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Timothy F. Bryson. Uh, again, those are spaces, uh, a punctuation after the F, a period. Um, but then you can also follow my passion project, which I did not uh, talk about too much on this podcast, but at the IPA way, um, that's my opportunity to really help introduce uh, black people to craft beer, the craft beer industry, which is something I've really become uh, passionate about over the last uh, year and a half. I would definitely love to connect with anyone uh, should they reach out. Thank you, Timothy, for jumping on the podcast. And I'm definitely going to be changing my Instagram name from KCostello66 to match up with my, my Twitter handles <laughs> and my Facebook handles. So for sure, I got that. That's going to happen right away after this episode. But no, we appreciate it. And everyone out there who's listening, again, a lot of this stuff from this episode, this is things you can take away and apply to your own life. So as always, from Olivia, Timothy, and I, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.